The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Bloomberg Audio Studios. Podcasts, radio, news. This is Bloomberg Markets, and I'm Shanali Basak, and it's time now for the stock of the hour. Blue Owl hit an all-time high on Friday, and it's one of the largest players in the private credit market. It recently helped fuel this rally with strong earnings that highlighted asset growth and a dividend increase. And like we saw with Goldman Sachs today, Blue Owl also last year formed a partnership with the Abu Dhabi Wealth Fund Mubadala Management. The moves highlight the growth in the $1.7 trillion private credit market, which has more than doubled in size over the the past five years. Joining us now is Mark Lipschultz, Blue Owl Capital co-CEO and co-founder. Mark, you know, we let's start with the Middle East here because this is such a highly watched story, the amount of money that's coming in from the Middle East, from Udabala in particular here. And you also had, for your dial funds, also announced a recent partnership with a def- different Abu Dhabi-based fund. How do you describe the need for capital from across the world? Well, thank you again for having me here today. And the need for private solutions remains strong for one really important reason, which is it works as a matter of investment results for the people that are participating. Whether those are institutions, which we see, as you said, with Mubadala, or our partnership in GP Strategic Capital with Lunette, you know, these are, are long, large strategic partnerships to really build out asset opportunities together, but also for wealth and individual investors. At the end of the day, It's a solution that delivers results, and I think that's why we're seeing the continued interest. It's also a marketplace, private credit in particular, or GP strategic capital, where domestic adoption, U.S. adoption by institutions has been earlier, sooner, and the interest is picking up in places like the Middle East and in Asia. They're underweight relative to what you Yeah, underweight relative, and I think that's part, again, also of the evolution of the market. Getting to a place where the returns and the risk return were compelling enough that they get enthused in those markets as well, and we've seen that now in, in, in Middle East Asia and elsewhere. How do you think about this from a footprint perspective? We've reported a lot about your inclinations to open offices abroad. Where are you putting the next leg of talent at Blue Owl? So we are opening an office in Abu Dhabi now, reflective of exactly this conversation that we're having about the importance of that marketplace and that market opportunity. Uh, we already have 10 offices as a firm. It is important to be on the ground. It is important to be able to spend time with our investors, time with companies that we're going to invest in. Now, where we invest as a firm, as you know, is, is very heavily U.S.-centric. That has worked well. We're sitting here today with exposure in terms of our triple net lease real estate business, in terms of our credit business in terms of stakes heavily centered around the U.S. and the U.S. economy and markets are pretty strong. So we, we we do like that as a matter of deployment. You know, you mentioned the private wealth channel. You guys, a lot of your rivals have been really expanding in private net worth here, high net worth individuals. How much opportunity is there? And frankly, do you see fees coming down? There's a big question about these BDC 
structures and other high net worth channels having higher fees than your traditional institution would have the leverage to negotiate. Do you see high net worth also getting fee cuts? So you and I have talked about this before, but I started in alternatives in 1995, wasn't called alternatives then, that word hadn't been coined. And at that time, your average institution had a single digit percentage of their assets in, again, what would later be called alts. And now today, it's 25% probably. Individuals are in that single digit percentage today. And the very benefits that have inured to the institutions, I mean, the reason it has gone from five to 25 is because it works. And so in, uh, individuals now have the opportunity with providers structuring products the right way to deliver results for them to participate in the benefits of these otherwise uh, historic products they didn't have access to. So with wealth, we have, from the day we started the, the firm, been committed to building an institution, a, a structure, a set of products, a, a DNA, to serve individuals as true peers to institutions. They participate when we do a credit product. They participate in the same loans. This is really delivering the institutional opportunity, and that's actually quite particular to Blue Owl, uh, and it also is quite particular to an investment you make over eight years. We've been spending years and tens of millions of dollars to build the infrastructure to support that audience. As for fees, uh, look, at the end of the day, the net result is a very, very strong one for institutions and for individuals. And actually, uh, I, I would not characterize it as the case that institutional fees are lower than individual fees. Actually, I think it varies quite a bit by product. I think both are getting a very good and fair result. When we talk about compression, another big question out there is compression of returns, potentially. You look at all this capital flooding into the industry, and you have to wonder whether you're going to get the same returns in the next five, 10 years as you have most, more recently. Supply and demand. So it is true that supply of private credit has increased, but so has the demand. The demand has increased partly because we have this large structural amount of private equity capital, as you well know, a wide range of different numbers, but I've seen numbers as high as two and a half trillion dollars of dry powder around the world in private equity. That will be deployed, that will utilize credit. So actually, when I think about dry powder in institutional hands for private equity and dry powder in the hands of private lenders, direct lenders in particular, it's not not really that different from where it was a few years ago. Uh, well, we're but, also, yeah, keep going, please. Well, no, I was just going to add one other thought, though, too, which is let's also, I think, keep in mind that there's all this legacy debt that's been issued in the, in the public markets, much of which I think has an opportunity to come to the private markets and benefit from what we offer. Private credit has grown because we deliver predictable private partner-like solutions, and there are many people who before didn't have that option and now do. Well, that, that option is a good thing to talk about at this particular moment in time. When we spoke just a couple months ago, the leveraged finance markets were really just looking for that opportunity to reopen at greater scale. They are opening. <laughs> they are certainly opening again. How is that compressing spreads here when you're looking at the opportunity from private credit versus the syndicated loan market right now? Yeah, look, the markets are opening, and well, people often find it surprising I say it this way. That's good news. It is good news because, look, we need vibrant capital markets. Private capital is not the singular solution, nor is liquid capital the singular solution. Together, they create a more active market. We will gladly take the enhanced opportunity, deal flow, M&A activity that comes with having you know, a more enabled marketplace. As for spreads, listen, spreads will move up and spreads will move down as different dynamics, markets open, market close, the nature of perceived risk in the marketplace. But at the end of the day, 
private credit and the way we run our business is all about picking the best credits with the best sponsors and delivering attractive spread, an incremental return and an attractive one over what might be available in the liquid market. So there'll be some peaks and some valleys, but all of those have allowed us, and we've been in both, right? We've been in zero interest rate environments with wide open markets in 2021, and we've been in closed markets, and our products work in both. So just about a minute left here. There's a lot of conversation about the big banks entering the private credit space, Jamie Dimon, JP Morgan, building their own effort as well. Do you see Blue Owl partnering with a bank? Why or why not? Happy to partner with banks. Happy to partner with any institution. We've we've built a business around creativity and around being that type of partner, partner to the borrower or partner to someone else that has a role to play in that value chain. We are delighted to partner with banks. Again, what do they have? They have a certain set of corporate relationships that are very powerful and they do a lot for those companies that we don't do. They do things like foreign exchange and do things like cash management. We, on the other hand, are a very much natural and much steadier home for the liability, so to speak, for the the loan. We buy and hold loans. We have long-term capital for long-term needs. And over the last year, in fact, over just the last few weeks, it reared its head again. When you take short-term capital like deposits and you use them for long-term things like loans, someday that tends not to be a great match. And so private capital has, I think, proven over the last couple of years, it's a real stabilizing influence. But again, it's not one or the other. So yeah, I see a, a very positive world for both. You'll have to come back with us when you do ink that partnership, Mark. A lot of people have their eyes on just that advent. Blue Owl Capital co-CEO and co-founder Mark Lipschultz, we thank you for your time. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.